writer for CBS Sports, Memphis native and Tennessee grad, who you can find on Twitter X at David W. Cobb. It's David Cobb. Well, joining us now to talk about the weekend in college football, David Cobb from CBS Sports is with us now. David, thanks so much for joining us. And I want to start with the Tigers because I know we talk a lot of SEC. We talk a lot of, of these national schools with you. But I want to get your thoughts on the Tigers through five weeks, 4-1, and one, had to come back uh, and get a win over the weekend against Boise State. But what have you made of this Tigers team through five weeks? Yeah, what a huge win for the program for Ryan Silverfield over Boise. I saw the score at 17 nothing. It was on one of my other screens, and then I, I changed it to another game because mm-hmm. I thought it was over. I mean, yeah. I, I, just, I, I didn't see a pass back for Memphis with the way it looked there uh, through the first quarter and a half of that game. And I was stunned uh, when, I, when I looked later and saw that they had come back to win to the extent that the first thing I did was, was go to find the highlights from the game to see what happened. And I think one play that sticks out above the rest in, in that game um, is the blocked field goal return for a touchdown because that's the kind of breaks they weren't mm-hmm. getting last mm-hmm. season. And those are the they, they were on the other end of those types of plays the last couple of years, it felt like. And so is that repeatable? Are you going to block a field goal uh, in every game to help you win? No, uh, of course not. But it's nice to see them get some good breaks. Kind of like they, they, they didn't play their best against Navy, too, but they found a way to win. And in the past, it felt like in those games, like against Boise and against Navy, the Memphis would have lost those games. They might be sitting here at 2-3 and three right now. But they found a way to win in those situations. And, you know, you could even look at the Missouri game and say, well, we didn't get the breaks there. But, you know, Missouri was probably the better team there. They're still unbeaten. And I think Memphis, any fan, any Memphis fan, right, correct me if I'm wrong here, but would have looked at this schedule, the teams that were on it at this point, and, and would have taken four and one through five games, right? I mean, that yeah. it's, it's a very good trajectory uh, as league play starts to heat up. And I think Tulane is gettable. And I think the Boise victory should should give them some confidence going into a, a really big league game. Davey Cobb, college football, it's like the jukebox. You just put some change in it, and it spits out a, a hit. Every weekend, you know, a lot of times we think maybe a low-key, sleepy, not not as glamorous weekend. Then we have it. Here, here would be my college football playoff top four right now. My one seed would be Florida State. My two would be Texas. My three would be Michigan. My four would be Washington. How right, how wrong, Emma? I don't have any major problems with that. Uh, so in my poll right now, I mean, I've got Michigan one, and I even had them there prior to this week. I think some other people joined me on that train with how thoroughly they dismantled Nebraska and with how iffy Georgia looked again. Uh, but I've got Georgia one, uh, or excuse me, Michigan one, Georgia two, I mean, and then after that, it, it remains very much up for grabs. I've got Washington in that mix as well. And then that, that, that kind of last playoff spot, there's a number of teams at the moment that have a case for inclusion there. You, you look at Texas, they have the best win, arguably, of anyone in college football on the road in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but Ohio State's right there, uh, unbeaten, uh, one on the road against Notre Dame. That's arguably as good of a victory as, as what Texas did in Tuscaloosa, so, and the list goes on. It's a, it's a good fight. It's a good battle at the top this year. Nothing feels like a foregone conclusion. 
when you've got a team like USC with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and one of the best offenses in college football all the way down at number nine in the AP poll, I, I think that tells you there's some, some pretty good depth at the top, which makes it interesting. It's not a foregone conclusion this season who, who we're going to see in the college football playoff. The Kentucky win over Florida. Who does it say more about, Kentucky, Florida, or Tennessee? <laughs> that, that's a, a great a great point you bring up because leading into that South Carolina game on Saturday, a lot of my Tennessee friends, uh, friends were lamenting the fact that Tennessee got spanked uh, by a Florida team that uh, then turned around and, and was whipped by Kentucky. I'm, I'm still not totally uh, sold that Kentucky is, is any better than any previous version of Kentucky under Mark Stoops. I still think this is kind of the same old Kentucky, which isn't a bad thing. That's a 7 or 8 or 9 or even a 10-win team. So still a good team, but uh, not one that I think is uh, any better than some of the better teams we've seen under Stoops to this point. So to me, it reinforces the fact that when Tennessee lost to Florida, Florida played as close to a perfect first half as you will see Florida or any other team, for that matter, play this season. They executed to perfection in the first half against Tennessee. Tennessee could not get out of its own way. Uh, and, and now Florida's kind of back to square one because it felt like uh, with that win, they were going in the right direction. But you go and look at their Utah loss, too. That That is not aging particularly well no. uh, when you look at the way Utah has struggled offensively. And uh, they, they this may not be a Pac-12 champion caliber Utah team if, if they can't get Cam rising back. And, and the fact that Florida uh, lost that game, yeah, uh, we're, we're, we could still be looking at a 6-6 at a six and six or at best maybe 7-5 and five, uh, Gators team. Well, you mentioned Cam Rising. I feel like I have to ask you this every single week, David, because I feel like, I mean, people thought he was going to play in that first game against Florida, and now we're getting ready for week six, and Cam Rising still hasn't made a start for Utah. I mean, are we going to ever see this guy play this year? Right. I'm just kind of waiting for the story to come out about what's really going on. Yeah. Here, right. You know, what's the uh, the, the hang-up? Uh, who, who plays first, Steven Adams or Cam Rising? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. They, they actually they look like they could be cousins. Too. Uh, maybe maybe there's some genetics there that, that went wrong. Uh, really could. <laughs> Except uh, about a foot difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, not quite not quite on the same level there. Both really tough dudes, though. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Rising has is, is got to be back when they play Cal, which is after a bye week. So they, they've got their bye this week, and that's two more weeks of Cam Rising on the mend, recovering from a torn ACL, and you got to think the fact that he's been out there warming up. He's yeah. been out there. He's practiced, right? Um, and he just hasn't quite been ready to go. They're not out of it yet in the Pac-12 race, and, and I think we'll see him. Uh, and you don't want to play him in, in his first game of the season against USC or against Oregon or, or one of those types of teams. So to me, Cal at home after a bye, if he's going to play, that's got to be when it when it is. Uh, so. You know, don't count Utah out yet. Uh, they, this is a team that always loses a game early and then finds a way to be there at the end. But if that's going to be the case this year, he's got to play for them to have a chance. Uh, David, I want to stay in the Pac-12 because after watching uh, as much as I could before having to, to get out to the Memphis game, as much as I could of that Colorado-USC game, uh, USC's defense is going to be their Achilles heel this year, isn't it? Same old story, man. And, and let's be real. Like, that game was over. Colorado made it respectable. They right. rallied late. Mm-hmm. Like, they set, salvaged some dignity. But USC 
controlled that game. It wasn't like Colorado actually had a chance to win in the end or or whatnot. However, you're correct in the assertion that the USC defense remains uh, a problem. And it's been this way for Lincoln all the way back to the beginning of his Oklahoma tenure. Because Alex Grinch, who he's been so loyal to, uh, puts defenses out there that get gashed, that that have problems. And uh, they got picked apart in the second half against Colorado. And I know they might have played some other players. They might have been in some softer coverages than usual due to the score of that game and the fact that they were up by four touchdowns at one point. But still, no excuse. Uh, for for how easily Colorado was able to move the football in that game. Because as we saw against Oregon, when pitted against really high-level athletes and good mm-hmm. defenses, that Colorado offense is not spectacular. But they managed to look spectacular anyway in the second half uh, against USC. And that says a lot about where the Trojans are at defensively and a lot about why they're all the way down at number nine uh, in the AP poll this week. Is Alabama really well, or was the perfect tonic playing Ole Miss at home and going to state? <laughs> they're, they're making progress. I, I think there's a little bit of a want-to, a little bit of an edge there. Uh, maybe that wasn't there against Texas and wasn't there against South Florida. Uh, a little bit of a swagger that's back. And what a huge game this week. I mean, Alabama versus Texas A&M, this could, this could very well decide the SEC West. Of course, Ole Miss is still going to have its say in that after beating LSU and who knows. Don't count LSU. out LSU just yet. They won it yeah. last year with two losses. Sure did. That's right. Yeah. So the West one remains wide open. Uh, absolutely wide open. I think Alabama's very much in that mix, but I remain in the camp that Alabama will take another loss. Uh, have not seen enough from this team offensively. The defense is getting better, but not elite. Uh, I, I believe Alabama will lose another game. And fact is, they're what less than a touchdown favorite against A and M. A and M is is okay, right? But it hasn't blown me away. I, I think Alabama is better than the team we saw against South Florida, uh, but not a national title contender in my view. Hmm. David, in my now sixteen years at Ole Miss as part of their crew, in honor of my lifetime to be that, and nothing's ever going to top. 2014 and the goalpost <laughs> coming down against Alabama. I say that nothing's ever going to top it, but right now that's le- that's leader in the clubhouse and it's got a pretty it's got about a six shot lead. Saturday night was really close to it though. It was about as thrilling a Ole Miss win ever in Oxford over LSU and just the fourth win for Ole Miss over LSU anywhere in the last 14 years. And Lane Kiffin has two of those: two years ago on Eli Manning Day and Saturday night. Isn't it interesting how the narrative all week coming out of that Alabama loss was Lane Kiffin can't win the big game and Ole Miss only ever beats the teams they're supposed to beat and then he turns around and beats uh, the reigning SEC West mm-hmm. champion, uh, a top 15 team, Brian Kelly, uh, one of the best coaches of, of this era to not have a national title. And uh, that's, I mean, that's a feather in his cap and a, a, a way to silence the critics. <laughs> What a game, too. I mean, just incredible. Just one of the, yeah, I don't don't know if we'll see a better game this year. How how in the world is a college football game 55 to 49 without overtime? I mean, that that was spectacular. And uh, three hours and 50 minutes, 88 offensive plays for Ole Miss. Yeah, I can't imagine how long the the highlights ran on y'all's post game show because (laughs) there, there must have been a lot to get to. But I thought the most encouraging part about it was the, the fact that, that Ole Miss started to run the football. 
yeah. pretty well again, or reasonably well. I mean, it, maybe they're not quite where they were last year, but they, they bit off chunks in the ground game. That opened up their passing game. And when I made my pick on, on this game for CBS Sports last week, I wrote that LSU had the horses defensively up front to continue frustrating an Ole Miss run game that has not lived up to uh, its expectations this year. And then they kind of flipped that script uh, with, with getting Judkins going. And yeah. uh, that was that was a remarkable game, a huge win uh, for Ole Miss, and, and one that, that just threw the SEC West into further chaos. Talking to David Cobb from CBS Sports on everything that happened over the weekend in college football. David, is this just going to be the Georgia team this year that kind of just sleepwalks through the first quarter, the first half, and then wakes up in the second half? I mean, it seems like, now what is this, two weeks in a row that they've been down early, South Carolina and now Auburn, and then they come back and win. And if, if that continues the season, do you think somebody could pick them off this year? I do. I do think they're susceptible to a loss. How, how costly would a loss for Georgia be? That's up for debate because right. they could lose a regular season game. But so long as they won the SEC title game, they would still be okay. Uh, but I do think they're at risk because their defensive front, to me, is not as daunting, as intimidating, as fierce or dominant, maybe, as it was during the two national title seasons when they had Jalen Carter and those guys up front. I mean, they're still loaded with former top 100 prospects in their defensive front seven, but we've seen Auburn and South Carolina uh, be able to generate positive plays in the run game in a way that you just would not expect yeah. uh, against the Georgia defensive front. And I thought Hugh Freeze had a really good game plan against Georgia. They got way deeper into the run-pass option stuff. Even let Thorne keep the ball. I don't think Georgia was ready for that or that mm-hmm. and Peyton Thorne made them pay with his legs on a few occasions now if they play that game again Georgia's ready for that wrinkle maybe uh, they cut out a couple of the turnovers Georgia can easily win that game by you know 24 points or something but we're hit, uh, sitting here going into October and Georgia is 0-5 against the spread wow. uh, that that is unexpected and it's a sign of the fact too that you know, their offense has not been quite as explosive as we expected it to be with the, the wide receiver transfers they got from inside the conference, Ra Ra Thomas and Dominique Lovett. You know, you thought, okay, sure, they're, they're moving on from Stetson Bennett, but Carson Beck's going to have more weapons at his disposal, and they'll, they'll, they won't skip a beat. But they, they've skipped a beat. They're, they are not as good at this moment as uh, the last two Georgia teams were. And now this week, Georgia and Kentucky, a matchup of undefeated against undefeated. I, I, I did have, uh, I did have Kentucky undefeated to this point. I had Georgia undefeated and I did have Mizzou, but I had, I had LSU undefeated. I had Bama undefeated. <laughs> I had Texas A&M undefeated. undefeated I had Tennessee undefeated. Bowl and there's just three. Re- yeah, there's just three remaining. Isn't it really illustrative of something and uh, of kind of of him? that the biggest critic Mark Stoops has had at Kentucky has been John Calipari. <laughs> that's that's uh, accurate, right? The only one throwing shade at Mark Stoops is on his own campus. Uh, that program has been as steady as they come uh, under his direction, and that win over Florida, their third straight over the Gators. I mean, that was a, a series that was as lopsided as any annual game in college football, and the fact that Kentucky has won it three times in a row is 
shocking and got to be infuriating if you're a, a Florida fan. And you give credit to Kentucky because they hadn't played anyone going into, into last week. And then they, they get Florida, and they don't just win the game. They absolutely dominated. The they game. made them like it. Yeah, with Ray Davis uh, running the football, uh, that was that was dominance. Now, I don't know. That a Vandy transfer, run. Ray Davis. No kidding. And, and if you can run for 1,000 yards of Vandy, you must be a pretty good back. Um, You're tough. He's, yep. he's really getting a chance to prove that now. And you know, I don't know that that recipe works for Kentucky against Georgia, though, because it's going to be hard to line up and go smash mouth bully ball against uh, the Bulldogs. And we still need to see more from Devin Leary and from some talented young receivers that I feel like have been a little bit underwhelming to this point for Kentucky. But, my gosh, if they are able to put it all together uh, in one week, they they could be dangerous. Like, this, this Kentucky team has potential, uh, but they've also got, you know, uh, some, some tough games left on the schedule. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, maybe not a team that I see surpassing uh, it, it, uh, the best teams of Mark Stoops to this point. But, you know, 14-point spread on the road in Athens. Uh, I'm still leaning Georgia. They've got to cover a spread eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll be tested because if they come out flat like they did against Auburn, against South Carolina, Kentucky Kentucky is, I think, a better team than, than South Carolina. It's a better team than Auburn. And another performance like that, and, and eventually Georgia ends up on the wrong side of one. David, I want to get to some college basketball, but I'm excited about two games this weekend in college football that I want to ask you about real quick. The first one, Texas versus Oklahoma. Do you think people are talking enough about Oklahoma? I've been so impressed with that offense this season. The second one, Maryland versus Ohio State. I've heard a lot of people talking about Maryland this year. I'm a big fan of Charlotte football this year. I watched when Charlotte played Maryland. I'm just not impressed with this Maryland team. Now they've got this big test against Ohio State. What do you think about these two games this weekend? weekend yeah uh, maryland doesn't have a chance against ohio state i'm sorry that ohio state defense is as good as any that ryan day has had okay sure kyle mccord and the offense maybe aren't as explosive as they were with cj stroud and and, and those guys and, and the the elite level uh receivers i mean obviously still have marvin harrison jr and, and still really great there but uh yeah for, for whatever ohio state may lack defensive or offensively this year they more than make up for uh, with that defense and Maryland typically has reached this point in the schedule, had to play a good team, and then they've just completely collapsed. Uh, so I, I kind of can envision that occurring again uh, this week against Ohio State. Uh, that's you know that's just a really tough spot for them. But uh, Oklahoma Texas could be a phenomenal game. I think everybody's kind of writing in Texas as the, as the uh, the easy winner there. Uh, but we've seen flashes and moments of Oklahoma on both sides of the football this year that have been elite. I mean, their defense and, and at times has been as, as impressive or more impressive than the offense. And, and it's looked like the Clemson defenses that Brent Venables uh, was the coordinator of. And then they go and give up 20 points in the first half against a really bad Iowa State offense. And so you're just like uh, a little confused on which version of this Oklahoma defense you're going to get. If you get that version, like we saw in the first half against Iowa State, then Texas can score 40 or 50 on you. But if you get the version that went on the road against Cincinnati and held them to like six points, uh, that's a a defense that can keep Oklahoma in this game. And I think Dylan Gabriel is is one of the best quarterbacks, maybe one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. 
He's very comfortable in this system, and he seems to have a good feel for what this offense needs to do to win the football game. And sometimes that's a lower scoring, grind it out, run some clock, run the football type of system against, you know, against a Cincinnati. But then they, he showed against Iowa State when the defense is struggling that they can go up there and put up a monster number. Mm-hmm. So Oklahoma has the potential to win this, this game. It does. I'm not sure that I, I will pick it to win, but it has a chance. I like it. Well, we're about a month away from college basketball. We'll even have some exhibition games towards the end of this month. But the biggest news over the weekend in college basketball was the injury to Donovan Klingon, the the center for UConn. It sounds like he'll be out about a month. And I think the start of their schedule kind of sets up well for him being out. Northern Arizona, Stonehill, uh, Mississippi Valley State. But then they've got Indiana, potentially a game against Texas uh, in the middle of November. Uh, How big of a, a piece will he be? for UConn's team this year, kind of defending their, their championship from last year. And, uh, and, and what do you, are you worried about his status for these two games against Indiana and Texas? Uh, yeah, I, I am, because Donovan Klingon was my pick. Okay, we did an exercise at CBS Sports. If it's not going to be Zach Eady, then who would be your pick to win National Player of the Year? Ooh. And I went with Donovan Klingon. I agree. Wow. Because I'd be first pick in the draft. He could be uh, he could be a, a lottery pick if he can if he can play this season and be fully healthy and, and translate the numbers that he produced last season to 28, 29, 30 minutes. He could have the Zach Eady breakout season that Eady had last year because he's not splitting the front court with Adama Sanogo right. anymore. Uh, so if he's healthy, he's he's in the running for first team All American and all those Player of the Year awards. UConn, I think, will be fine. Here's why. They've got another big who's been banged up, who has yet to reach his full potential that Dan Hurley absolutely loves. Samson Johnson, that's a name to watch in college basketball this season. Somebody who wasn't in the rotation for the Huskies last season because he, he was injured, he, he, he didn't get back, and, and you know, they were at full speed without him, and it was going to be hard for them to work him back in late in the season. Well, he didn't transfer, he didn't pout, he stayed around, and now he's got a chance with Snogo gone and Klingon hurt. Uh, to shine and be a double-figure guy and, and, and rack up some double-doubles this season. And so I think UConn will be fine. In fact, I, I think in some ways uh, playing, uh, playing a few games in November without your best player can help you sure. down the road because it, it, it forces other players to step up. It uh, puts you in an adverse situation prior to the pressure of conference play in the postseason. So not ideal, but maybe there could be some positives in the long run to take away from, from Klingon's injury for UConn. Well, uh, like I said, college basketball, it's right around the corner. I'm, I'm super excited for the start of the season. But, David, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Okay, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks, David. David Cobb from CBS Sports joining us every week to talk mainly college football, but we're going to have to start getting some more college basketball it's in there. Because uh, it's crossover it's cool. time. And I know for, for David, that's when, uh, man, everything's going on. Like we're not going to talk on. college basketball yeah. in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, Come on. Oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk are. a lot about it. We are it. a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just right around the corner. But let's go ahead and get to a break because when we come back, we've got to get to our Sissy's Log Cab and look back at the weekend in the SEC. That's next on Sports Time. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Five, four, three, two, one. Time for a look back at the weekend in the SEC. 
Brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin, the official jeweler of the Memphis Grizzlies with 9,000 square foot in Laurelwood. Let's go inside the SEC with Bryant, Brett, and Jay Morgan. Chad Kelly in the gun formation. Third and inches for Ole Miss. Carlton will kick it. It is on the way and it is up. But Ballou looking at it, going to pitch it to Herschel Walker, try to get him outside. He's going to get five. The snap is high. Kelly grabs it, wants to throw, fires it up in the air. Treadwell can't get it. It is good! Oh, my! Get a deflection, is caught! Deflection is caught! And down the sidelines is Adebojo. He's to the end zone. He's in there. Touchdown, Ole Miss. He's got 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. He needs a block. There goes Herschel. There goes Herschel. And you can wrap this one in maroon and white, my friends. Arkansas is headed to Atlanta. The national champion is clad in big orange. And Saturday got started early with Kentucky playing Florida in Lexington, and it made it three straight for Mark Stoops over Florida, and it was easy. And, again, like I asked David Cobb, I don't know who it makes <laughs> it look the best or the worst, so Kentucky, Florida, or Tennessee yeah. in this. Ray Davis, 284 touchdowns, Vandy transfer. Florida's lost seven of eight away from home under Billy Napier. Zero sacks of Devin Leary. He didn't even have to wash his uniform. UK now 20th in the AP poll. Only 69 yards rushing for Florida. Almost 400 yards total offense for Kentucky. 10 penalties for Florida. Uh, next week, Kentucky at Georgia. Uh, Florida, they will be at home against Vandy, but it was all big blue. C-A-T-S, cats, cats, cats. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, when, when you see Kentucky only threw for 69 yards, that you would think, oh, they just got completely dominated. But no, Here it's because all it. they had to do was just hand the ball off to Ray Davis, Vanderbilt made, and uh, I mean, honestly, because of what the transfer anchor portal, anchor down, what the transfer portal is now, Vanderbilt could become like the, uh, the Oakland Athletics, where they get them in. Isn't they kind sad? of develop. It is very sad. More on that later, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they could be where they develop guys, and then they decide to go other places. These other SEC teams are seeing them, and you know these coaches. Right. I, I said somebody should have gone out there and gotten Ken Seals. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and so all these other SEC coaches are seeing these guys. They're prepping for these guys. They're watching the film and. I'm not surprised. I mean, somebody in Kentucky last year said, let's write down this Ray Davis guy's name and maybe give him a call at the end of the season. And now look what he does against Florida. I was surprised. I wasn't surprised of the win from Kentucky, but I was surprised the fashion it came in. 280 yards, three touchdowns is just absolutely incredible. Uh, Big win for Kentucky for sure. Texas A&M 34-22 over the Razorbacks in Arlington. Both teams had interceptions. For touchdowns, A&M had a punt return, 82-yarder by Nice Smith. Two touchdown passes for Max Johnson. Seven quarterback sacks for D.J. Durkin's A&M defense. Arkansas had to settle for three field goals. I thought that was big. Since A&M's joined the SEC, 11-1 over the Razorbacks. 59,000 in attendance. Uh, that at one time they were dreaming of 75 and 80,000 for that mm-hmm. game. Can't wait till that gets on campus and gets out of there. Arkansas, 42 yards rushing. Uh, A&M uh, this week, they will play at home against Bama, and Arkansas will be in Oxford and is, is really as desperate as it's been in the Sam Pittman years. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this was this was a weird game because it was it was really low scoring at the beginning that first quarter into that second quarter, kind of low scoring. And then oh, those, seven six those, game. Oh, for a absolutely. While. And then those offenses just start picking up and defenses too. I mean, you had two pick sixes in this game, um, so really fun to watch. I was a little disappointed in, in what I saw from Arkansas because I thought after that loss, even though it was a loss last week against LSU, I thought that was going to be like a building block game where they could really turn around, especially with that offense and especially getting Rocket Sand back, but K.J. Jefferson only 132 yards, a touchdown interception. Rocket Sanders, his first game back, only 34 yards on 11 carries, but one of my favorite things to do is in, when watching this Texas A&M team is watching that defense play. You talked about the seven sacks, 15 tackles for a loss. I mean, it is unbelievable to watch this defense play. And Max Johnson, I thought he looked really, really good um, in his first uh, start of the season, obviously having to come in there for for Connor Wegman and also added 57 yards on the ground. So we talked last week about, you know, kind of your best option to have if you're going to have to turn to a backup is Max Johnson. And I think he showed why uh, on Saturday against Arkansas. Georgia 27-20 over Auburn at Jordan-Hare. They won't play next year in the South's oldest rivalry. But this year it was Carson Beck to Brock Bowers for a 40-yard touchdown to really save the day for number one Georgia. Four catches for 120 yards just in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. for Brock Bowers. 22 straight for the Dogs. Beck finished 23 of 33 for 313 yards, touchdown and interception. 219 rushing for Auburn, only one penalty. Yeah. Hugh Freeze is making that team better. Auburn much improved. Auburn next week, open date, Georgia, they host Kentucky. I need to apologize to Auburn fans because I'm sitting at the Memphis game and every you know, 20, 30 minutes I would kind of look on my phone, check scores, whatever. I get a notification saying 2020 Georgia versus Auburn in the fourth quarter. I'm like, oh man, I've got to pull this up on my phone and watch it. I pull it up, not Two minutes later, I mean, I think it was the literal, I think they were in a timeout when I got there. I think literally the next play was the big throw throw and catch to uh, Brock Bowers for the, uh, for the game winning touchdown. I think Bowers had more to do do with it than you bringing it up on your phone. I I, really do. I think so. I I think so. But, but all joking aside, you know, you're right. This, this Auburn team is looking better and better, uh, week after week. And Georgia, I mean, I asked the same question. Auburn beat somebody good for the years over. I think you're right. But I asked the same question to to David Cobb, but it's starting to feel like this is the Georgia team we're going to get, where they come out and they kind of sleepwalk through the first quarter, through the first half, and maybe trail, and then they... That'll get them in And one that's going to get them. I mean, they, they always wake up in that second half and go, oh, we're Georgia. We should be killing this team and win, but it's going to get them eventually. Uh, uh, David brought it up earlier, but I was impressed with uh, Peyton Thorne led the way with 92 rushing yards for, for Auburn. I was really impressed with that, but all in all, Georgia wins again, but I, I was really impressed with what Auburn showed in that game. Mizzou 38-21 over Vandy in Nashville. Memphis Tiger fans, stop me if you've heard this. Brady Cook, 395, <laughs> four touchdowns. Luther Burden, 142 touchdowns. Good running game. 347 straight passes without an interception for Brady Cook. He really cooked Mizzou next week at home in Tigers versus Tigers. They're 1-0 in that matchup already this yeah. year. And Vandy next week at Florida. If Billy Napier lose that one, loses that one, he's officially on the the being fired uh-huh. watch list. And Scott Strickland should join him. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. But Missouri, I mean, 
532 yards of total offense. They added 137 yards on the ground. And then what you said was what Brady Cook and, and Luther Burden did. And, and I'll be honest, I mean, it's it's not hard when you have a, a guy like Luther Burden. He makes your job as quarterback very easy when you can just find him and you know nine times out of ten he's going to be wide open. But Just flip it out there to it and watch exactly, the show. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, really impressed with what those two have done over the past couple of weeks. And on the other side for, for Vanderbilt, I don't know uh, if, if Will Shepard has another year of eligibility left. Um, I know some teams are starting to put the, you know, in like, you know, kind of beside their name of how many years of eligibility you have. I don't know if Will Shepard has eligibility left, but if he does, if he has one more year of eligibility, I would not be surprised. We talked about Ray Davis a second ago. I would not be surprised if Will Shepard's the exact same way, kind of their go to receiver, having a really good season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's at another SEC school next year and is one of their primary weapons. He's a very, very good receiver. And I'm thinking if he has another year of eligibility, there's a coach out there in the SEC saying we could take this guy and make him a real star in our in our program. Ole Miss 55-49 over LSU in Oxford. Record-setting crowd at Vault Hemingway. Vault Hemingway, largest to ever see a game in Oxford. Ole Miss Fourth win in 14 years over LSU Lane with two of those. Jackson Dart, 26-39, 389, four touchdowns, seven rushes for 50 yards, a touchdown rushing. But the big number, zero. 88 plays, zero turnovers, zero interceptions, no fumbles, not even any drama with the ball. He took great care of it. Trey Harris, eight catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. He's back. Quinshawn Judkins, he's back. 33 rushes, 100. And 77 yards, a touchdown rushing, a touchdown receiving. On the other side, Jaden Daniels made throws all night into great coverage that NFL mm-hmm. quarterbacks can't make. What a player. 414 yards, 99 yards rushing. He was just, I mean, you could, you couldn't rush him. If you, if you really rushed hard after him, blitzed him, he would tuck and run. Yep. If you let him sit back in the pocket, he would burn you. Ole Miss wins the game next week. Ole Miss at home against the Razorbacks and LSU at Mizzou. Yeah, I mean, offense, offense, offense is pretty much the only way to describe this game. It was unbelievable watching these two quarterbacks go out. I mean, you just mentioned both of them. I mean, you've got two quarterbacks that completed over 65% of their passes. Both had over 350 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 1,343 combined yards of total offense in that game Saturday night. You mentioned what Quinshawn Judkins did, kind of that breakout game he needed this season after a couple of slow games, but talk about Ole Miss in fourth downs, two for three on fourth downs, and and that was huge when you talk about how that game ended. You needed both of those fourth uh, fourth down. And one of those was was the early uh, throw yeah. to him on that wheel route yeah, on, the, on the first drive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that that, that kind of got lost. Yeah, so I mean, that game was fun to watch. I, I didn't get to see the first part of it, but I got to see all of the second half, and I just could not take my eyes off of it because of how it, high-powered both those offenses were playing. It's going to be real fun to watch next summer when I know how the ending. Oh yeah, when I know oh, the ending. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday night, it was fun Saturday night, but oh man, it was it was a, a nerve wrecker for sure. Tennessee forty-one twenty over South Carolina at Neyland. Three different UT running backs. Uh, they scored and kind of, and and they got Cooper Mays back in the mm-hmm. offensive line. I think that helps Tennessee. Very average Spencer Rattler. Joe yep. Milton not great. Uh, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, UT's defense really controlled this one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I thought this was a big game for Tennessee because I, I remember last week. 
everybody around the country was saying South Carolina plus 12.5 is the play for this weekend. Tennessee obviously hasn't shown much, and it was never close. And I thought that was huge for Tennessee to kind of have that statement game when it seemed like a lot of of people thought that they weren't going to really show up against South Carolina. The run game for UT, 238 yards and three touchdowns. We've talked about Jalen Wright in this segment before. 123 yards, one touchdown. Jabari Small, the Memphis native, added another touchdown on 59 yards running. So, I mean, that run game and that defense is really what propelled Tennessee on Saturday night. But you talk about that defense. South Carolina could get nothing going that entire game. And I kept thinking, at some point, the South Carolina offense is going to do something, especially after what we saw them do last week against Mississippi State. And they just could never find it. So I thought a huge win for Tennessee. Open date for both teams this week. Bama 40-17 over Mississippi State in Starkville. Late Saturday night game. 16 straight for the Tide over Mississippi State. Milrow was efficient. Chris Braswell with the interception for the TD. For the Tide, zero turnovers for Alabama. Three for Mississippi State. 193 yards rushing for Bama. That was the game. That was the the difference in the game. Bama, they got well the last two weeks. Or did they? We'll see Bama uh, at, at at Texas A&M in College Station this week and State at home against Western Michigan. Yeah, I, I like you said, I thought Jalen Milrow was, was very effective in that game. 10 for 12, passing 164 yards. But that Bama run game, they got a lot of touches to a lot of different people. Uh, 193 yards and three touchdowns. On the other side, Will Rogers, a rough game for him. Only 107 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions on only 27 attempts. So really couldn't get the pass game going. We know what Mississippi State wants to do in that offense. His confidence really looks shaky. It, it really does. And if you can't get that passing game going for Mississippi State... You really can't get that offense going. That's our look back at the weekend brought to you every week by Sissy's Log Cabin, supporter of Tigers Athletics and sponsor every week of our look back at the weekend in the SEC on Mondays at 430, official jeweler for the Memphis Grizzlies and FedEx Forum with the floor seat lounge seating, unsurpassed value, exceptional service, expansive selection, and an extraordinary experience because life's too short for ordinary jewelry. Well, let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we'll get to big number of the day. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ, available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app, and at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Big Daddy. Hello, Big Brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The Big Boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, I lost my big number, but I found it, so I'm ready to rock my big number today. I'm going to go with a baseball big number in honor of 
of the playoffs starting tomorrow afternoon. My big number is 92, a high big number in these terms. 92 is a percentage, 92%, which is, in terms of percentage, a very high percentage. On September 6th, the Chicago Cubs had a 92% chance of making the postseason. Brett, as you know, they did not make the postseason, so I hate it for the Cubs. I really don't. Um, but that's I really don't either. That's almost impressive to have a ninety-six or ninety-two percent chance of making the playoffs on September sixth in the final they, month of the season. They just had to have a pulse oh. down the stretch, and and even and that percentage isn't even throwing in the fact that they were up six runs two nights in a row against the Braves and lost both of those games. And if they had just won one of those games, they probably would have been in the playoffs. And so uh, hilarious that that the Cubs are not in the playoffs. Makes me, as a bitter Cardinals fan, it makes my soul happy. Me me too. A little schadenfreude here. A lot of Cardinal (laughs) angst in in all this. And saw a Cub friend of mine Friday night in Oxford. I said, y'all going to the same postseason we are. Mm. (laughs) That's rough. That's rough, Brett. My big number, I have a baseball big number. It's 55. I thought we were getting really close to the same one when I get to my 92. 55 years ago today, on October 2nd, 1968, Bob Gibson went on the, out on the mound of the World Series and truck, struck out 17 Detroit Tigers. Wow. In Bob Gibson's career, Brian, you know, and, and I tell you, and, I, and I, I try to set you straight on some of the old-timer stuff oh, about, yeah. yeah, believe that. Uh-huh. Man, that's a, that's right. a little bit of a fish story there. This is one, like I tell you about the Coliseum and Keith Lee, believe every one of those stories you hear about them. Believe them all about Bob Gibson. <laughs> in his career, 81 innings pitched in World Series play, 92 strikeouts. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Bob Gibson, 55 years ago today, October wow. 2nd, 1968. Another big number for me, 1343. That was the combined offensive yard Saturday night for Ole Miss and LSU in a 54-49 Ole Miss win. High scoring game ever between those two teams. And it was, it, it it was like tennis. I mean, you or it was it was it was tennis and baseball. You had to break serve, right? And you couldn't swing and miss. You yep. couldn't whiff. You had to get a little something. Ole Miss was down nine with five minutes to play. You're absolutely right. I mean, that game was crazy. That game, I said it earlier. In the second half, I could not take my eyes off that game. I mean, there were other games that I wanted to go to. I couldn't because I was just so locked in. I also loved the tennis reference from you, Brett. Uh, yeah, like I know tennis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> laughably bad, isn't it? How about Florida, the Florida Gators running their goal line defense, the old seven oh, six defense, and Kentucky still walked into the end zone. Uh, Had thirteen that. out there. Did you see it? I, I heard about it. I saw the the video of it. I didn't see it in real time though. Had thirteen, not Crazy. penalized, and Kentucky still strolled that. into the end zone. Another baseball big number three oh seven. That's the number of home runs this year. For the Atlanta Braves, and 47 of those came in the first inning. I'm telling you, the Braves and what they did in first innings this year, I, I don't think any team will ever took, be able took, to match again. Took people's soul early oh, yeah. in games. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were down. I mean, there, there were plenty of times I would look up and I would see Braves top of the second, and the Braves were up 4 nothing, 5 nothing. You know, and I'm like, what? 
what happened in the first inning that I missed? And it's just that lineup with that many hitters in there, and they just got their, their job done early. I've got another big number, and, and you talking about Kentucky and, and Florida's defense uh, made me remember this big number. We talked about Ray Davis and his uh, 280 yards of rushing. That is now third uh, most uh, rushing yards in a game in Kentucky history, tying him. With old Shipwreck Kelly from 1930. How about hey, that? Hey, salute out to Shipwreck. Oh, Shipwreck. And be careful late on a Monday, a little tired and a little tongue oh, twisted yeah. saying Shipwreck. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. But hey, when... hey, real quick, let's, let's get these baseball okay, picks for tonight. AL, AL wild card. I, I'm sorry, for t- tomorrow afternoon, rather. It's, it's, it's for tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. That first game in the American League tomorrow afternoon will be Tampa Bay hosting the Rangers. Who do you take? For that series. Give me Tampa Bay. I take the hometown Rays as well. All the games will be played there. Second game that starts at 338. So we'll be on there. So we'll pick it now. We'll pick the other two tomorrow. Blue Jays at Twinks. I hope the weather's kind in, in Minneapolis. Give me Toronto. Good Lord. I do not like this uh, this matchup at all. But I guess I'll take the Blue Jays. I mean, the Twins... The only reason the Twins are in the playoffs is because they're in a terrible division. So I just have to take the Blue Jays, right? We'll we'll do Arizona and Milwaukee tomorrow because that'll be at you know it'll be while while we're doing our show tomorrow. And we'll do Marlins Phillies tomorrow because they play at seven oh eight. So I take Tampa Bay and and Toronto, and you do as well. That was wow, a couple of good blocks. Well, we How built about up that? that big moment, didn't we? <laughs> well, I'm hoping maybe maybe tomorrow we'll have some. Uh, some differing answers. We promise to do better in this last hour for Riveting Radio, don't <laughs> That's we? right. That's right. We can only be better the next hour than we were the, the one before. So let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, we'll talk some Tiger football with Tim Buckley. Tim Buckley. 